Welcome into the debut episode of the Hops and Spirits podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Green. Joining me here in a little bit will be Derek DeFranco of Mirror Twin Brewing in Lexington. On this podcast, we'll be talking all things beer, craft beer, spirits, distilleries, you name it. That's our goal is to highlight all those, not just in Lexington and Kentucky, um, but pretty much everywhere we can go. Uh, hopefully you will enjoy this and we'll be talking to brewers, distillers, uh, getting their take on all things from their businesses to what's going on in the industry. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at jmgreen, that's green with an E, G-S, that is at jmgreen-g-s on both Twitter and Instagram, and you can find our podcast at gspodcast.com, Spotify, and hopefully very soon uh, where podcasts are always available. Joining me now on the Hops and Spirit Podcast is Derek DeFranco, owner and head brewer of Mirror Twin Brewing in Lexington. Derek, thanks for taking the time to talk with us. Yeah, it's uh, my pleasure. Love you know, getting any time to talk about beer. <laughs> I was going to say, I mean, that has to be, to me, that's a good life, right? You're, you you work around beer, talk about beer, live beer. Is, is there anything bad about it? Well, you know, the one thing I've always really loved about beer, you know, ever since, you know, I was 21 was that I, I feel it, that it has the capacity to bring people together and, you know, the craft beer niche even more so because there's so much to talk about when it comes to beer, but, you know, even outside of just discussing, you know, the specifics about beer, you know, people just have, you know, conversations around beer, no matter what it is, you know, you talk about life and, and how things are going. And so I've always really appreciated that. And, and it's part of, of what makes me love it as far as, you know, the final product when it goes into making beer, um, one thing that really drew me into it was the fact that I think it's a really good balance of science and art. There is a lot of science that goes into it. When I give a tour to someone who, you know, may not be very, you know, read in, you know, how we make beer, almost everyone says, wow, there's so much more science that goes into this than we ever thought. And I always kind of, tell people it's kind of like golf right like you can be as good at golf as you want to put the time into it you know you can buy expensive clubs you can you know buy expensive golf balls play in expensive courses um but uh, you know how much time you put into it is going to determine uh you know how good of a golfer you are and you can make you can be a really good golfer with cheap clubs and you can be a really bad golfer with great clubs you know brewing is very similar you know you can make good beer, um, but the more you understand, you, you know, the, the minutia of what goes into making it, I think the better prepared you are to make the best beer you can. But at the same time, there's an art form to it. Sometimes, you know, you have to make judgment calls and, and I just love that about it. As, as far as what, you know, the bad things about it, um, no brewer likes to make mistakes um, or have a batch of beer that doesn't turn out the way we want it to. Um, that can be, you know, frustrating at times. We try to have processes that make, you know, mistakes, you know, very rare. And, I, you know, I think that we've done a good job at that. But there are some things that are out of your control. And, um, you know, it's it, it, sometimes it can be difficult to, um, 
wrestle with that fact, but you know, it, it, it's just, you know, a fact of brewing. And then I would say a particular challenge of being a head brewer is things that you have to deal with that have nothing to do with the process of making beer yet can make or break, uh, you know, your product. And for instance, right now we have a cooler that isn't cooling the way it's supposed to. So, you know, you have to either figure out what's going wrong and, and try to troubleshoot it yourself, or sometimes you just have to recognize when it's beyond your scope and, and, and call someone, you know, that's going to require, you know, you to, uh, you know, to spend money that you didn't plan on spending. And that, that, that can, you know, that's a downside, I would say sometimes. I was going to say, anytime you got to, you know, pour some beer down the drain, that's, that's never a good feeling or, or have to do that. So I can definitely understand stand that, that heartache. Um, what, what drew you Derek into getting started into brewing? I mean, was that, did you have a hobby of that or, or, or what, what made you go, Hmm, this is something I want to do. So, um, see five and a half years ago, I had moved into a new house and my next door neighbor, uh, was, uh, you know, had this like big kettle out in his garage and, and, and I thought, you know, he was frying a turkey and, and I was kind of hungry and, uh, you know, and, and I, I find it to be, you know, kind of a good way to introduce myself. And so I went up to him and, and, you know, I asked him, what are you, what are you doing? And he was like, well, I'm making beer. And I was like, man, that sounds really cool. Like, do you mind if, I stay and help. And he's like, yeah, absolutely. I'll take all the help I can get. And, and so that was my first kind of, you know, toe in the water and into homebrewing. And so, you know, a couple more times I would brew with him and I would try to kind of learn it. It fascinated me from the very beginning. And I've always been a person who likes to cook. And I think there are a lot of analogies between cooking and brewing. And so I think, you know, my love to cook inherently drew me into brewing and, you know, it, it kind of started like home, my process of homebrewing kind of started as like, Hey, like I can make the, the style of beers that I really like, um, that, you know, may be hard to find commercially. And then it just kind of became this obsession to make the best beer I possibly could. And it, it wasn't really for anyone else. It was just kind of for me, like I wanted to make beer that I really wanted to enjoy enjoy and and you know i didn't want to make beer that you know had that you know quote unquote you know home brewer taste and so that just led me down a rabbit hole of reading blogs and being on forums and reading books and and you know and i just kept on brewing i brewed once a week for about two and a half years straight as a home brewer sometimes more than that and i just i learned something every single time i brewed and it just happened, you know, after a while, once I started really kind of dialing things in, people would say like, wow, this is really good. Like, have you ever thought about opening up a brewery? Like, no, <laughs> but now I am. <laughs> and so I kind of sat down and, and started writing a business plan and started coming together and I uh, found some investors and the rest is history. We're here on the Hops and Spirits podcast with owner and head brewer of Mirror Twin, Derek DeFranco. And Derek, you, you kind of t touched on a little bit there. Mirror Twin opened in October of 2016. I mean, obviously, you know, you kind of mentioned that 
all of a sudden you kind of thought about starting something serious. How long did it take you guys to get off the ground and, and how did that all come about? So, so my, my background is, is actually, it surprises a lot of people. Um, so I went to law school. Uh, I graduated from law school in 2013 and, uh, and the reason I bring that up is because when I was in law school, my, my last year, I, I took a, a class that kind of taught you how to like open up a business and the, the, you know, the subject was really like how to start your own law firm. But, you know, starting a law firm isn't too different than, than just starting any you know, business. And so I, I started writing the business plan. That was kind of like the first step. And that required gathering a lot of information, you know, from what kind of products was I going to make? You know, the name of the, the brewery, the name of the beers, where I was looking to open, really breaking down the demographic uh, of where I wanted to open to see, like, could that place, you know, I was living in Lexington at the time, so obviously Lexington was the place. You know, could Lexington sustain another brewery? Where would be a good place to do it? All these different factors. From, I would say, the day that I started writing to the the day it was finished and ready to start kind of taking around and, and talking to people about investing in the brewery, it probably took about a year and a half. Um, and, and then from, from that point on, once I found the investors till we were open, took another like six, seven months. So I'd say in total, it took about two years, uh, so, I mean, to how, go from I was gonna say, how to reality. Was that for you to keep on that path? Cause you know, two years time is a, is a long time to, to kind of have a dream and, and make sure it comes to light. How, how were you able to kind of keep, keep pushing forward? Well, I can tell you in the frame of law school, it was way easier <laughs> than law school was. Uh, so I, I guess like two years, you know, law school is three, so two years didn't seem as long. But it, it was just the one thing that helped was the other breweries in town were so helpful. And, you know, I've always been a pretty social guy and, and, and you know, going up to people and asking them kind of intimate details about, you know, their business was intimidating. Um, but everyone was just so helpful and it, it was just amazing. I mean, it, it, the one, the one thing I love about the craft beer industry and especially I've seen it all over the country, but especially in Lexington, I mean, we're all friends with each other, you know, we'll all go grab beers together talk about how things are going. Um, you know, we, we reach out to each other when we need something or, or we have a question, uh, and, and everyone is just very, you know, helpful to each other. And so, it, you know, it was, I saw that from the very beginning. And I think the one thing that helped me, you know, keep going was that there was like, you know, you, you kind of set these goals and achieving those goals or having, you know, like a list of things that you're doing and check marking those off the list, I think kept me going because you could physically see that you were moving forward. And then it wasn't just something that was, you know, it was just kind of not happening. So that really helped, you know, keep me going. And, and I just, I, I just became fascinated with the process as well. You know, learning, because I was learning more about the industry every single day and not just about the beer itself, but like what goes into making beer, 
it's not just the physical process of brewing beer. I mean, it's making sure that you have enough revenue coming in to pay your employees, to keep the lights on. It's about, you know, ordering grain when you need to and making sure you order the right grain and ordering yeast when you need to and making sure you have the right hops and then tweaking the recipes till you get it to not only what you like, but also like what is the consumer going to like and then figuring those things out. And, and those things in particular, that like the, what's popular in the industry is dynamic. It's always changing. And I love that about brewing because it keeps you on your toes. It keeps things interesting and there's never a dull moment. So it's been, it's been a very challenging ride. And, and sometimes, you know, I, I guess, you know, there's the phrase, uh, you know, stop to smell the roses. I don't often stop and think like how far we've come. I, I just keep on thinking like what's next, you know, how are we going to stay ahead of things and, you know, how are we going to make our beer even better and, you know, how am I going to be able to give my employees raises and, you know, how are we going to grow and be able to sustain that growth? And it's just, it's an everyday challenge and but I, I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. Well, well, I must say, I, I've always enjoyed your guys' beers. Love, love the place. One thing I've also enjoyed too is, is the name. You know, a lot of places, they may pick a name based on where they're at. Um, you know, maybe the street they're on, the town they're in, things like that. Yours is kind of a un- unique one. You, you're you're a twin. You're a mirror twin, and obviously, I'm guessing that's where the name came from. Yeah, so it's that is so interesting in and of itself because when, like, I'll give a tour, or I'm just talking to a customer, and sometimes it's it's a regular who has come in, you know, and and been a regular since the day we opened. And I'll talk to people and, and ask them, you know, hey, do you know, do you know where the name came from? And it, it, it astonishes, me, astonishes me how often people don't know. And, you know, it, it's just, there, there's a couple facets to that. I think, you know, people kind of have like this own like allure in their head of, of, of you know, where the name came from. And, and there are some things that are suggestive, like our buildings are the mirror image of each other. A lot of people think that's, you know, why we named it that. Um, you know, the mirror twin beer concept, the twin draft system that we kind of, um, started a lot of people think that has to do with it. But the, the real reason is that, uh, you know, I have an identical twin brother, but I'm right-handed and he's left-handed. So we're the mirror image of each other. And I always thought that was such a cool and unique concept because being an identical twin is super rare, but being a mirror twin is even rarer. I mean, it's like 1% of identical twins. And I remember when I was writing the business plan, I was trying to think of, of a name that I could hear myself, you know, people saying, Hey, let's go to so-and-so. And I remember thinking, you know, let's go to mirror twin. I was like, wow, that, that has a ring to it. And so that's why we ended up naming it that. And then kind of what spawned from that was the twin draft system where you know, the thing about being a mirror twin is we're identical. If, you know, outside of sometimes where like my hair's long and I have a beard or his hair's short and he's clean shaven, you know, for the most part, we look identical and we sound like this could be him right now. <laughs> and you wouldn't know because we sound so identical. And he actually asked to be on the podcast 
and I, I told him I didn't want him to embarrass me. Um, but <laughs> I would have just been very confused the whole time. So, <laughs> yes, exactly. So, but he, um, you know, even though we're identical, we're also very, very different. So that's kind of where the twin draft system spawned from was, you know, when I was a homebrewer, I, I really liked to experiment. And so I came to realize how critical making one change to an ingredient could have a profound effect on the final product. And so I was like, wow, like, you know, we can kind of take this and, and, and make it part of our brand. And that's what we did. And it's just fun. You know, you get to show people, you know, how much one ingredient can change a beer. And I think that allows us to educate our customers, which I love to do because I have a passion for the, you know, for brewing and for beer. And I think also, I think it, it gets people to realize like how much just one ingredient can, can change the flavor profile of a beer. And I think it's just a, a fun way to, to showcase our products. I was gonna say, I mean, you, you make some, some great things. I, I know it's, it's funny whenever my wife and I, I go, go somewhere, uh, I get the lighter beer, she gets the, the darker beers and, and you guys have just a great selection there. What, when you guys come up with stuff, how do you do that? Cause it seems like, you know, you, you have, everyone has their flagships, but you guys do a lot of kind of short-term releases, experimental releases, seasonals, things like that. What goes into that process? Well, you know, when I started the brewery, we had a, you know, a smaller system. And, and one thing that I always wanted to strive for was having a good variety. One thing that I, I came to find out was that if you aren't a craft beer person, you know, or, or you haven't been introduced to craft beer, your, your mind kind of has this belief that craft beer is either one of two things. It's either really hoppy or it's, it, 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 it's really dark. Right. Mm -hmm. But the truth of the matter is that it completely, there's so much in the spectrum between those things. And I wanted to showcase to people that, you know, that those choices existed. And I think that has a lot to do with our success because, you know, if you're not a craft beer drinker and I, and you come into Mirror Twin and I can find you a beer that you like, you're much more likely to come back. And, and you know, kind of something snaps in your head where you're like, uh, you know, I'm not a craft beer drinker. And all of a sudden you go to a craft, you know, brewery and you find a beer that you like, all of a sudden like, oh wow, I do like craft beer, I'm a craft beer drinker. And not only in, in terms of, of, you know, our growth, but also I think other breweries, because if you come here and you find a beer that you like, you're much more likely to also say, hey, I'm going to go check out West Six or Country Boy or Blue Stein or Ethereal or Fusion or Rock House. Uh, sorry if I missed anyone. You know, um, but you're, you're much more likely to go to another brewery to see, hey, maybe I'll find something there I like. And, and I think a lot of the breweries in town have that belief of a rising tide raises all ships, and that's why we're all helpful. Now, when it comes to the one-off stuff, um, I think it really started with the twin draft system and seeing like what we could twin and how we could twin it. And, and then 
it kind of became like an internal, you know, so I, I, it's, uh, I'm the head brewer and then I have two assistant brewers who are absolutely phenomenal. And it kind of became this contest of like, how ridiculous could we get? Like one of my assistant brewers made a pizza beer and it didn't suck. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't drink an entire pint of it, but I would be damned if it didn't taste like a slice of pizza. <laughs> and so it just kind of became this, this, um, fun way to experiment and for us to kind of like in the back, like one up each other, you know? And, and so well, it's say, kind I mean, of, Hey, you, you even do it with pop tarts and cereal too, right? Yeah. We, I mean, you know, we put pop tarts in beer, we put uh, candy bars in beer. We've put, uh, like you said, cereal beer. Um, I, I think the cereal beer tap takeover we called it the seriously serial tap takeover was kind of the catalyst of the really goofy stuff. Um, and I, I, I'll, I'll never forget how it came about. We were sitting, we we're all sitting in, in the office and we were talking about like, you know, new beers that we were going to make. And, and all of a sudden I started joking about how crazy it is that there's like, like a day for everything. You know, it's like, it's, you know, it's hat day and it's, and it's, you know, hot dog day and it's, you know, national cereal day. And that was actually a day. <laughs> and this is like in early February. And sure enough, March 7th was international or national cereal day. And when I was a home brewer, I made this beer that tasted just like cinnamon toast crunch. And all of a sudden I was like, you know, that light bulb hit. And I was like, why don't we do this like tap takeover and and add cereal to a bunch of beers and make them taste like the cereal and and then it was like all right well what cereals are going to taste good in what beer so that was in its own challenge and then it was finding out how much cereal did you have to add to the beer in order to make it taste like that cereal and i will say that the ghost of walter brimley was probably very disappointed because there's so much sugar that goes into some of those beers but uh, you know, it's just a fun thing for us to do. It's fun for us. I think it's fun for our customers, you know, and I was just astonished by how close the beers tasted like the cereals. And I think we did a good job of matching the style to the, to the cereal. Well, I was gonna say, you've done a great job with that. The, the pop tart takeover, I think you did cook, cookies recently. Is that correct? We did cookies. Yep. Mm -hmm. uh, and anything else that, you know, down, down the road here. Um, so my, one of my assistant brewers has a passion for growing peppers. And so we've done um, like pepper takeovers. Um, you know, we've done the hostess takeover where, you know, we, we uh, added things like, you know, Twinkies and, and um, Ho-Hos and um, uh, things like that. Those are always fun. Um, in, you know, the October time frame, we always try to do something with candy because of Halloween. So, you know, we've done so much new stuff. It, it, sometimes we have to go back and, and redo things because people, you know, ask for them, you know, for us to do them again. And and so like now we're, we're kind of in this uh, limbo of like, do we keep on, like doing new off the wall stuff or we go back and do old off the wall stuff that people really liked. And, and so we're trying to balance between those two things. 
Um, but, you know, and then also there's the brewing of the beers that we can um, and figuring out like what beers we're going to put in cans and why. Um, and then, you know, we don't have our own canning line. We use a mobile canning company. So planning that can sometimes be a challenge because uh, you don't want to make the beer too soon and let it sit too long and it goes bad or you don't, obviously you don't want to make it uh, too close to the canning lot date because if it's not ready, you're going to find yourself in a bad position. So, um, you know, balancing that out, it, it, it can be a challenge as well, but it's, it's something we've, you know, tasked ourselves with because we wanted to be able to have people be able to take our beer, you know, in a way that they couldn't in a growler or, you know, pint by pint. We're here with Derek DeFranco, owner and head brewer of Mirror Twin on the Hops and Spirits podcast. And Derek, one of my favorite things about Mirror Twin, too, is your partnership with Rolling Oven. I don't think there's anything better than pizza and beer. And they're actually in both of your buildings. How nice is it to have a partner like that? It's been great. I mean, first off, I want to say coffee and donuts, you're old school, right? Pizza (laughs) and beer is the new partnership. Um, But it has been an absolute amazing partnership. They, I think that we would not be where we are as, as far as growth without them. And it's, it's a very unique situation because um, we're two different things, right? You know, pizza and beer operating in the same building. And, you know, we don't, we try not to get in each other's way, right? Like we don't tell, you know, people cooking the pizza how to cook the pizza and they don't tell us how to brew the beer. And, you know, I thought inevitably there would, there would, you know, we would butt heads, but I will tell you that the relationship that we have with Nick Ring, the owner of Rolling Oven has been phenomenal. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that like, we are both always trying to help each other out because we know that we're like, if both of us are doing well, you know, each other, like we're doing well together and it's been a great partnership. I think that, you know, having food makes our customers happy that, you know, they can come here. They know that, you know, if you come to mirror twin, I'm going to be able to get, you know, a pizza with my beer. And I think that, you know, keeps people here a little bit longer because, you know, when they get hungry, if we didn't have food, you know, they'd want to go somewhere to get food. And, you know, I kind of saw that I think Lexington has a great food truck scene and I think the food trucks are outstanding, but there are logistical issues that come up. And I kind of saw the, the difficulty of having that kind of arrangement because, you know, sometimes things come up with the food trucks where, you know, I mean, let's say you own a food truck and your kid is sick and you have to stay home. There's nothing you can do about that. You know? So as a brewery, you know, if, you know, I post on Facebook and I say, Hey, on Tuesday, this so-and-so food truck's going to be here. And then that happens and they have to call off all of a sudden, you know, you don't have food. And I think that can have a negative effect on, on, on business and, and with your customers. So having, you know, rolling oven here permanently has been amazing. And uh, also, you know, unlimited pizza for life isn't bad either. <laughs> I was going to say pizza, beer, you're living the dream for, for most of us. Um, you know, it's you, surprising you, I haven't put on like 50 pounds, but well, the stress of owning a business. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so. Well, and I know, you know, 
obviously it's it's only been a few years since you guys opened um you know what what obviously you've been able to grow you guys have taken over the 723 building which cosmic charlie's and a couple other businesses were in now you can also serve liquor how has that dynamic worked in it too um because i'm sure that's helped you guys with everything going on now because you have two locations you kind of have almost a beer garden in the middle during quarantine you know with the covid19 going on how has the addition of that property helped you guys out it's been uh phenomenal i mean you know it's funny when you think back when when we think back on it that so many things kind of had to fall into place in the exact right way for us to get where we are today i will tell you that like having cosmic charlie's here was awesome they were great neighbors we did not want to see them go and it's kind of weird because we never ever heard any noise coming from their building i think it's probably directional because like you know we were basically sideways to them where i think the speakers were facing kind of towards the neighborhood and i think that's where the issue came from but we didn't want to see them leave but when we realized that they were going to move to a new location we saw an opportunity because one you know the, the buildings are mirror image buildings of each other and two you know it allowed us to you know have more space for more customers and also it allowed us to add you know the liquor component and one of the great things about that is we realize that not everyone is a beer drinker and we don't fault anyone for that uh, you know it may be for a plethora of reasons you know you might have uh, you know a gluten allergy and you can't you know have beer and you may not like cider and so you kind of you know left with no options before we brought on liquor um and i mean i can tell you right now like uh i absolutely love beer but i mean I also love bourbon and gin and, you know, a good vodka every once in a while. So I think having that also gives people more options. And, um, and so it's been great. The, the 723 building, you know, we designed it to be a little bit more, a little fancier. Um, you know, the, the original building, we wanted this to have this feel of it being very comfortable, you know, like, Hey, it's like, it's like I'm drinking, you know, in, you know, in the backyard with my buddies. Um, and then in the new building, we wanted to have a little bit more formal feel to it where, uh, it's like, Hey, you know, I'm, uh, I'm gonna go over seven, two, three and have an old fashioned, uh, or a nice, very, you know, uniquely crafted cocktail. And, um, it, that kind of played off of the mirror image, uh, brand, right. The mirror twin brand, because, you know, not only are the buildings the mirror image of each other, but also like, you know, one does beer and and one does you know kind of the crafted cocktails now i mean you can get beer in both buildings because uh, that's what we showcase but uh, that was just a really really great opportunity that we had and it's been absolutely phenomenal and as far as you know how it's helped us get through you, you know the uh the quarantine it, it, it's definitely had an effect and especially since we've been able to open because it does give us a little bit more space to have more tables and then you know the the space in between the buildings it's been pivotal i mean we i i don't think we would have even considered opening without it because it allows us to add so much more seats and um we're really hoping that when you know hopefully at some point when life goes back to normal you know we'll be able to keep it that way keep it as like a beer garden 
We're here with Derek DeFranco, owner and head brewer of Mirror Twin on the Hops and Spirits podcast. And my last question for you, Derek, is kind of what's next for Mirror Twin? Obviously, you know, you, you mentioned it earlier, you're always looking to the future, you know, trying to, to grow, do, do different things. You know, what's next for you guys? Well, one thing that we definitely want to expand on is the frequency of can releases. Um, and, you know, we found that the small batch releases were very popular uh, and, you know, kind of by design, you know, we ran out of them very quickly, but it's a double-edged sword because, you know, when you have something that's limited it, 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 and, and, and it, you know, it tastes good, it draws people to it. People want to come get it. But if you run out of it too quickly, then not enough people get it and, and people kind of get frustrated with that. So one of the things we've done is we, we've, we've bought a, um, so the way we were making these really small batches was kind of keg at a time. And so it's like 15 and a half gallons, like 125 pints. Uh, well, now we've bought a three barrel uh, unit tank, which is, um, you know, a tank that we can basically expand the size of these small batches. Um, we've also recently purchased a, uh, a can filler. Um, so we're still going to use the mobile canning line because it's just so much more efficient, but the can filler will allow us to do a lot more cans, um, kind of by hand and not have as many people having to, to, to work, you know, to fill those cans. And also there's, there'll be more consistency with it as well. So, um, you know, we want to expand on doing, you know, larger releases, um, more frequent releases of the small batch stuff. Um, and we, you know, obviously we want to grow our presence and distribution and, and try to get on as, as many taps around Lexington as we can uh, and develop, you know, great partnerships with local restaurants and businesses. Um, and, uh, you know, just keep on expanding our profile as far as the beers that we offer. And, you know, we're always going to try to be on the cutting edge of, you know, the next big style, right? You know, and, and whether it's a slushy sour or a New England IPA or a fruited New England IPA, you know, we always want to try to, you know, keep on offering things that our you know, products that our customers want, and at the same time, like, you know, making it a quality product as well. Well, Derek, I think you guys are doing a great job, and. Uh, I look forward to seeing what you guys have have next, and I appreciate you coming on. Yeah, I appreciate it. I, I, you know, I can't tell you how thankful I am to, you know, all of our customers and the community for, you know, being behind us, not only, you know, since we've been open, but, you know, through really, I think, the most difficult time in, in most people's lives is going through the quarantine. And, you know, that that support allowed us to, you know, we, we not one time stopped paying our salaried employees. We never took away any of their benefits. Um, the only reason we, we furloughed our bar bartenders was because they were going to make more money drawing unemployment than they were, you know, bartending. And, and we just didn't know. We didn't know how well people were going to tip or how well business was going to be. Um, so we felt that, you know, it was in the best interest of them to furlough our, um, our hourly, you know, bartending staff, but all of our, uh, salary employees, we kept on paying all of their benefits. You know, we didn't reduce anyone's salaries. Um, 
And so, you know, because of people's support, we were allowed to do that. And I'm a big believer in taking care of your people. And so, you know, when people support us and, and, you know, we continue to grow, you know, our staff will be the first to see the benefits of that, Um, you know, with raises and extended benefits, um, being able to offer more benefits to more employees and um, doing stuff like that, taking care of our employees is, is really important to me because, you know, Sometimes I get the benefit of being called the head brewer, but the truth of the matter is we would not be where we are without, you know, uh, Miranda Hubs, which is our director of operations, Mike Brown and Doug Price, who, you know, are my assistant brewers, uh, Chris Grissom, our taproom manager, and my business partners, you know, Mike Sobolak and David Long. Um, you know, it, it, it's been such a fun ride and, you know, I can't thank the community, my staff, and you know, our customers enough because we want to be able to keep on offering everyone the, you know, the fun products that we've been able to offer. And we hope it, we can continue to do that for the foreseeable future. Well, if you want to find out more about Mirror Twin, go to mirrortwinbrewing.com, find them on social media or head down to National Avenue in Lexington. It's always a great time. Lots of great beers on tap. Derek, thank you so much. You're welcome. We look forward to having you. And um, like I said, if you, if you come find me, uh, I will do my best to help you find a beer that, that you will love here at Mirror Twin. Thanks to Derek DeFranco and Mirror Twin Brewing in Lexington for joining me today. You can find more podcasts on our website, gspodcast.com, Spotify, and soon everywhere where podcasts are available. Until next time, cheers, everyone.